And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. So you're probably expecting to hear Toby Moody in this slot on the Race MotoGP podcast this week, but with apologies to Toby, we've had to move him from the schedule because we got hold of a rider who I think it's fair to say is the most topical man in MotoGP right now, Johan Zarco, for an exclusive interview with our own Simon Patterson. Um, the circumstances of this interview are slightly different to normal, as you'll hear from the, um, uh, what's the best way of describing it? interesting audio quality but we think it's well worth it on this occasion given that this comes straight after just days after Johan Zarco walked away from the best bike in MotoGP a top spec Ducati to join LCR a satellite another satellite team and rides the Honda that is the most unwieldy bike in MotoGP right now so Simon tell us a bit about how this interview happened so uh, Sunday afternoon at the Red Bull Ring, uh, we were speaking with Jan Zarco and he was telling us all about his new contract because he'd, he'd obviously just announced it uh, literally there and then. Um, he was being really open and upfront about it. And uh, during the course of, of listening to him talking to me and my fellow journalists, I realized that the, the drive from the Red Bull Ring uh, to the next race in Barcelona takes me essentially past his front door in Provence in the south of France and in the past we've been able to to kind of coordinate things when I'm passing by and call in and do something so I said to him afterwards uh, I spoke to his press officer Rita and said Rita you know is it okay if we do something and she was like yeah crack on but I'm not organizing it you're gonna have to organize it with him so uh, I said to you after he was finished you know if there's any chance and he said look text me um post race weekend I'll see how I'm feeling and see you know how, how I wind down from this weekend so uh, I headed off this way I sent him a message on what is it now Thursday Wednesday morning to say you know, I'll be in your area this afternoon I got a reply back saying can you be at my house at 11am tomorrow morning I'm going cycling and after I get back from cycling I'll be doing a massage with my physio Alex and you can interview me while I get massaged so the reason that we've got slightly spotty audio quality and the occasional like moan of pain from Johan Zarco during the interview <laughs> is that he was he was getting uh, his legs beaten up at the time by Alex, but you know he he was generous enough to invite me into his house and uh, we did the interview in slightly less than perfect studio quality while uh, he was lying in a massage bed in his music room because. It's Johan Zarco and he's obviously got a music room at home uh, while while he was getting his interview or while he was getting his massage. That is spectacular. I do, I'm do. i pretty sure that is a first for uh, one of the races podcasts as well to be doing it mid, uh, mid-massage. Do you, you, as far as we know. Well, this is this is very true. <laughs> you know, we normally have the video on when we're recording, so we should be able to see if any of us are actually getting a subtle massage while this is happening. So the best thing about this was normally when a rider changes teams, yeah, okay, they get on the bikes at Valencia for the postseason test, and that, that often their media appearances there are quite guarded because technically they're still under contract to their current employer until the end of the, of the calendar year. But here's Sarko saying, "Let's come and chat about life and the future." While well, he's very much a factory Ducati rider, and doesn't sound like he holds back at all in this chat. 
there's actually one part in the interview towards the end where I think, you know what, we should should probably talk about Jacati a little bit here and kind of direct the conversation back in that way because he was completely honest and upfront. Um, he shrinked away from none of the questions that I asked him. He gave really good, intelligent, Zarco-esque philosophical answers to pretty much everything that I threw his way in terms of his ambitions and you know his reasoning for making what on the surface is a really, really bizarre move because he's essentially ditching the best bike in MotoGP for the worst. But he, he didn't shrink away from any of that. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, fair play to him for kind of eschewing the, the PR bubble that sometimes riders find themselves in and instead uh, giving us a, a really, really good interview. Well, let's listen to that. And let's uh, sit back and enjoy half an hour of a mid-massage Zarco telling you everything you might be wondering about this potentially crazy MotoGP career move he's making. So you you told us on Saturday that you had a decision to make in 24 hours. It seems like it didn't take too long to make the decision, but was it a tough one to make? It didn't take too long to have the, the final decision. Uh, if not, I got anyway a few weeks to think about it. The um, idea to go to Honda began during the, the summer when um, I didn't get uh, a clear offer uh, from Ducati. So my agent did his work and uh, to knock to, to other doors and uh, have a, a sound from, from them. And uh, so decided with Chekinero and uh, going to Honda, yeah, beginning during the summer. And uh, then after Silverstone, again was we keep pushing with Honda because it was still not clear we were with Ducati or even not sure to continue with Pamak and too many doubts so when then in Spielberg I could uh, see that there are still some doubts that's why I, I also choose with Honda because I got this uh, good offer and also to save uh, these two years at now 33 years old that I try really to plan always a good training to to feel good to perform for all the year it's great to to don't have this uh, stress that in five months I have to, to think again about the, the next year when the the Ducati offer came was it a surprise that it was for you know one year maybe with Grissini maybe not with Pramac or is this just normal with Ducati we knew that it's going to be one year. Uh, they were really quite. Uh, they were yeah. They will not change the mind for it, and uh, and almost I'm used to it. But then when I got so the idea to do two years, that's why during the summer uh, I began to to think, hey, why not uh, as a sportman for really work as a project? It could be good. Because the only chance I had to do two years was with Katie, and but I was not uh, mature enough, and I got too many other problems uh, beside the, the technical side. So uh, I want to have this this chance again and see how I can live it. So the one I would do, Katie, she could be really the one hundred percent sure. Uh, we continue to work with Massimo, with Gino in the Pramac team with the factory bike. 
Yeah, I would have, uh, I think, signed quite early in the year for it. But even with good results, uh, it seems that uh, they have some of the plans, so I can respect that. I guess as a as a rider and as a human, part of it as well is that Honda seemed to really want you and Ducati seemed to be waiting on everyone else to decide exactly. where you would go. That's a big part also to, to feel wanted and uh, for sure, looking like this, it's easier to, it could uh, seem easier to be wanted by Honda because they don't have results and don't be wanted by Ducati because they have the best bike. But Honda remains Honda, the, the main constructor of, of motorbike in the world. So uh, a powerful constructor that has been winning so many years and they are struggling. So you, I'm thinking it seems anyway, still powerful and it can uh, be back again. And uh, that's why um, if he wanted by, by Honda, it was uh, nice. and. Yeah, change, change after four years is giving you uh, really something, uh, some something new that uh, I appreciate. How big do you expect the challenge to be? Because we know that the bike is in a lot of trouble right now. But my weak points when um, things that does not go as I want or as I would like, uh, and I'm not in the top of the classification. I'm really getting nervous a lot and uh, uh, this year I've been working on it I got three three moments this year where I've been so upset because of not a good result so I want to cancel this kind of emotion to keep working uh, as like Jack Miller or Brad Binder is doing pretty well that they, they doesn't uh, they don't seem destroyed when they don't have the results yeah. but they are uh they are they keep working and so they are open to get a good result when it's coming but they, there is no no need to destroy yourself when there is a bad result and that was my uh my way of going and i see now that i'm growing up i'm not uh, I don't want to do that anymore and I'm, I'm doing much less than before. But if I do, it's just for 20 minutes, half an hour, then I'm, I'm okay. So that's why I'm like, feel more ready to, of this challenge. Be ready to don't be on the top and, uh, with the target to be on the top because as long as you race, you want to race to to feel uh, good and uh, to, to perform and be close to the podium or play the podium if you can. But accept if this will not come and maybe our days will be there. But um, I want to enjoy even in the hard days. So that's going to be now because of my experience, the difference compared to uh, my other years. Looking back now on, on the time at KTM, is is that the thing that has changed the most? Is that the thing that was causing all the problems then? The not being able to understand that you have bad days and... Yeah, that was, it was my third year in MotoGP when I went to KTM. And after two strong years with Yamaha, going to a factory team that is not performing, but 
has the, the, the budget to perform, but need the time. And uh, I was not in the shape to take this challenge. And also it was a time that I, I, I began to change uh, my, uh, my way of going because I was not tracking anymore with the ex-coach that we did the life together. So it was things that have been disturbing a lot. And uh, I was really too much. I did the programmation to, to perform and to win. If you are not able to win, go to home. And now I understand that, okay, it's not always like this, but I was the programmation in the mind was just for this in the, at the beginning of KTN. So that was, he, I got some uh, <laughs> problem with the, with the electricity uh, to, uh, when we, I was not performing. That's why I say, don't pay me to, to, to make this shit, even if I was not doing shit, but in my yeah. feeling, it was shit. So I grew up for, no, and uh, so, yeah, the, it was a reason why I didn't continue with KTN. It seems like, uh, apart from growing up since then, your life has changed a lot since the, the days with the old manager in Moto2. Everything seems a bit more relaxed and like it's helping you to be more relaxed on the bike as well. <clears throat> uh, yeah, um, but because I choose the life with within to perform, yeah. but then I'm to perform also having <coughs> like a cooler life as I grew up also when I was a, a teenager, uh, living on Riviera Coast, uh, you have the beach, you have the friends, uh, it's uh, like too easy life. Yeah. And uh, me, yeah, that's, if life has to be always uh, in, a, in a rush, even if you're not on the GP, I, I didn't want to do my life like this. I want to be, okay, uh, um, I, I split the things. I can be in a rush for a GP, but then could when I'm back home. So I need to, uh, I need the time to be in the rush all the time to become like a real warrior. But now I can split. So I, I, that's why I need these changes in the, in the life. That's, part of uh, growing up. Some guys maybe can understand it or already have it naturally around 20. Yeah, I need to do it uh, after, after 26, uh, after even around 28 when uh, I began to perform in, uh, in MotoGP. You, you said that when you joined KTM, they were a, a manufacturer who were trying to find success, but going to Honda now is with a manufacturer that already knows how to be successful. They've done it so many times. Does that make the, the job maybe easier? Because they know the path is there? Uh, I don't know if, it, uh, if uh, no, because if you take just the, the moment, uh, no, I, I won't say it can make the job easier or yeah, true that with KTM, you will always have the doubt that does this uh, iron frame will work. Until it works, you don't know. Yeah. For Honda, the philosophy of the bike has always worked. Even Ducati went to the, 
the, the tube to, uh, to this kind of chassis. So you, the base, you think that it's a base that has to work. That's why, yeah, um, I would not say easier, but uh, the, the project has more of a, yeah, the kind of, you, you, more uh, possibilities to, yeah, it worked before, why not uh, in, the, in the future can work too. That's what KTM was this dub that as a chassis will work a day, uh, even all. Have you spoken much with them about what the role is going to be for you and where you will fit within the team? Because I think one of the one of the things that Rins complained about was that he went there expecting to be, you know, like a, a factory rider and he was very much a satellite rider. Have you talked about this or um Yeah, that's that the target is after the factory bike and being involved in the in the development. I think uh, on the, this year, 23, uh, there have been still a lot of focus on Mark. And uh, because Mark was uh, on the paper, was ready to fight uh, and did the pole position in, uh, in Portimao and the podium in the spring race. So I think when Rins arrived, it was also the moment that Honda was still waiting for Mark. Maybe in that moment, they, are, they will always wait for him because he, he remains the, the fastest one, I would say. But uh, maybe they, they will open a bit more the, the mind to... And from where I'm coming, I think my luggage is... Uh, there, are, there is more things in my luggage than the one that rings because I, I, I ride different bikes. Yes. So, and I've never been uh, injured for, for races, so I did all the races, all the time. And uh, that's a, a big difference to, to Ritz. And also, in my position, I have the chance that it can be a time that Honda will be a bit less focused on Mark, uh, because uh, they, they are seeing that things are, are changing. What do you expect from working with Mark? Of working with Mark. with Mark, yeah. I would like to have a a good relation with him, even with what we had, uh, like in Saxon Ring. That after the crash, uh, we didn't really sp we are we were not speaking. And uh, but uh, when he has been he has been struggling for me, I, I was feeling sad for him because uh, I was not seeing really the mark. We are used to see. Oh. So I would like that he, he understand that, okay, I'm a, I'm a racer and uh, if I, I have something wrong with him, I will tell him. But um, I still um, almost admire, admire, I still have like admiration for, uh, for him. And I'm sure if you just switch back to something good, it will be good. And when it is like this, I would, be, I would like to have a, 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 a good relationship with him. But I will not be in the same box as me. So 
the, the, the weekend are busy. I'm seeing that I'm not even speaking with Jorge Martin. We are the only the VR46 riders that they are always together. Yes. And Marky is always with Alex because they are so. I'm quite a lonely guy, but uh, yeah, it would, yeah, would, would be nice if I can have a good feeling on the back when <coughs> I blow it on. And then with the constancy, maybe give some good uh, information back and that even Mark can appreciate up to the way I'm riding or, or working. Why not? So like this, we will see at the end of the year. Uh, I'm not, I will not look for it, but I will uh, be glad if it can work like this. Is there an option somewhere in the future that we could see you in the box with him? Is there a, an option in the deal to maybe be a Repsol rider? Having a straight contract with uh, HRC, this he always leave the, the door open to have a chance to be in Repsol. And uh, maybe this could happen in 25. If the situation happened before, it will be really a surprise for me and for everyone, but a nice surprise because we give a, a good place. For sure, you go on the Honda that is not the favorite at the moment, but you go, you can jump in the factory team because who knows what happened in a uh, in rider's mind. So uh, this would be uh, uh, how we, I'm just smiling about it because it would be that. Like a, a guy that we didn't see uh, in the Lucan. <laughs> and at the, the end of the two years with Honda, at the end of this deal, what will, what will be counted as a success? What will make you happy to have achieved with the bike or to, with the team? But to have a bike again performing, uh, always ready to be in the top five or close to the podium, depends the how the riders is feeling and that uh, so should be four bikes uh, next year for Honda that yeah it is four bikes uh, at the end of the two years of the four bikes that can be in the top ten or at least, at least uh, three or four but at the moment when uh, Honda is working it's only one rider because it was on always Mark so a bit like Ducati are doing how it's uh, on the eight bikes, uh, there are at least uh, almost all the time a seven bike in the top ten. So, uh, yeah, this would be good to have uh, three bikes in the top ten. And I mean, a good balanced bike that. Mm. MotoGP is never easy, but at least uh, a bike that give give a, a right motivation to the rider and uh, uh, give confidence to the rider. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, listeners. If you're someone who is just too busy for a regular-length podcast in the morning, we have something for you. The Daily Football Briefing brings you bang up to date with the biggest football stories in just over 10 minutes. Whether it's David Ornstein on the latest big signing or Matt Slater on a takeover saga that won't go away, we'll bring you right up to speed all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all the usual platforms and make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Before all of this happens, there are still nine rounds, ten rounds with, with the current bike. What is still left to achieve at Ducati before the end of the season? I think Tauris. I try to don't think about it too much because sometimes during the weekend, if, I'm, if I have good practices, then I only see the victory, so then I do not accept anything else. And then I do a worse weekend, as a bit I did in, uh, in Spielberg. So, yeah, the victories will be the best way to, to close this chapter with, uh, with Pramac, overall, because uh, I need to, to win the MotoGP. <laughs> and Campinotti wants to hear the Marseillaise <laughs> on the podium with me. And, uh, and it would be a way to say, okay, I have the best bike and I've been able also to, to use this best bike at the maximum for, for this Grand Prix. But you cannot do it uh, on the, all the GP or is, Peko is doing it, but we don't have all the same uh, skills. But yes, that will be the, the good way to say, okay, good things done. There must be some days where you finish the race and, and just look at the results and think, oh, 
how, why, because you've come so close so many times to it and it always seems just a little bit too far to reach. Yeah, but as long as I'm pointing on it and I'm catching podiums, it will be a great satisfaction. Even when I will uh, end the career and look back and say, anyway, we, at least in France, we are not many to perform in this way. So, yeah, uh, the, the, this victory will be just uh, anecdotic. Uh, I mean, not a big drama because the performance is always there, at least almost. So that's what I said. Do my best, but accept the best sometimes is, is not for the victory, but uh, in that way, oh, maybe I will be uh, free enough in the mind to, to catch the victory. I mean, looking behind you at the trophies, there are not many satellite riders who have a collection as impressive as this. You know, there is a, a fantastic legacy to your career without anything else even now. Sure. So there are many, also now there are many from MontaGP, so... Yeah. No, I know. That's why I'm pretty happy. And, uh, but I'm even happier when I, I jump on the normal bike or <clears throat> I am on the, on the track with someone. Or with uh, and there's some, and I'm riding and I see the difference of uh, the speed I can have. Even in the Moto2 times, I didn't have this adaptation to all the bikes. Or I was fast, but I need a bit of time. Now you give me a bike, I'm really, it's, well, fortunately it's my way, but I'm much faster than, but a lot faster. And, uh, and even when I see the, the, the people that are coming on the track, it's, it's amateurs, but they are always fun in these amateurs, but they're always also guys that will uh, critique, will say, ah, yes, he's Arco, but he's not winning in MotoGP. <laughs> and because I'm not winning in MotoGP, they are thinking that, um, okay, they can do the same as me on the track. But when we are on the track, they are like the, the breath cut, no, because I am okay, so yes, he's not winning, but uh, that, that's a MotoGP rider. So just to have these skills, me, um, I'm happy because, yeah, pushing like this, I see that one now I have a bigger, or even on small bikes, uh, there are really guys that think that they will beat me. And, uh, and I say, hey man, that's my work, you cannot beat me. Uh, so just that uh, a proud feeling, but to show the reality to, 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 the, to the people sometimes. The, the, I guess the problem that you have, but also the thing that will make it sweeter when the win comes, is that you're trying to do it in maybe the most competitive MotoGP grid there has ever been. Yeah, uh, true. Uh, yeah, that's true. But that's what is pushing me to really become better all the time and even in the training or uh yeah uh, that's that's true we are but yeah just a victory will uh, but just now it will not open for but will uh, give a good satisfaction and then when you get a victory sometimes the the race uh, the next races you are still performing because then the you 
you will lift up the, the expectations. Yeah. Oh, man, this almost this victory can hold you for a few races. And so let's see. But, yeah, but, um, but it's also a reason why you're not winning like this. I got good opportunities, but I got sometimes when it was a good opportunity for me, I got some, another guy that was uh, on, on the cloud, uh, like flying. Barcelona 31, yeah, Miguel, <laughs> uh, Valencia the 2017, <laughs> and uh, even uh, Argentina. even Argentina this year. Yeah, I got to be Zeki that uh, also he lose the front in the last corner, lose that and just sometimes a guy that. He's on the cloud. <laughs> and this cloud, I didn't find it later. I had a very big blue sky without cloud. <laughs> does, the, does the win need to come on Sunday? Or will you be happy with uh, some sprint races? Uh, I think the sprint race can give anyway a very strong feeling, a very confidence also for the next day for the yeah. Sunday as people said Sunday will be the, the best but now a sprint just for the click in the mind can uh, can be useful and looking at the, the future beyond MotoGP are you, are you thinking about the future beyond MotoGP right now because every time I speak to Ducati they tell me ah, Zarco is the perfect superbike rider we want him to come after you know is is there something that interests you why not uh i i don't know uh when i see the category yeah we <clears> love <throat> sometimes to race but really the top guys even for what bautista is doing the way he did he has been training a lot he, he did like uh, everything like a motor gp rider so he's not uh, a retirement it's uh you have to switch a bit. Yes, maybe a, a bit less harder to be in the top ten or top five if you have the good bike. But if you want to be champion, you have to switch your mind to uh, no life. It's uh, you live just for this. Yes, and I don't know if uh, at thirty-five or thirty-six. Yeah, I will. I would like to keep this. Uh, I can be fast and enjoy races, but put uh, everything to work the title or I don't know uh, but uh, as I didn't expect to to have uh, the energy to want to continue until 35 uh, last year I was struggling a bit and thinking this year gonna be last okay. and now I, I I signed a contract for two years because I, I've been feeling this year I got the energy back to say yeah I see myself in my GP really to have tough moment that you give your best energy ah, it's difficult because you gave the best but you're not winning but okay it's anyway this best is uh is very high on the pyramid so i enjoy also this so i did not expect to to say uh to see myself uh signing for for two years so because it's also the, as i said this sport project i'm not doing it uh, only for the money because you have to respect yourself and also do uh, feel that you want to perform so 
I don't know how going to be my mentality in, uh, in three years. Why not? But I think it's uh, to enjoy even more, it's better to be in a less competitive. I think it's more competitive than what we, we think uh, uh, the, the superbike. What, what changed between last year and this year to help you find that energy? To help you find the energy again, what changed to bring it? Uh, the way to choose more the people around me, uh, change the, the way of training also, uh, and to have a uh, different uh, approach. And uh, so, yeah, push some, uh, some other elements to, to test other things and see what is working. And try to really enjoy even more too. Okay. It's not because you don't win that you don't deserve to be in, uh, in this category. So, and then I'm very extreme with myself. And yeah, if I'm not winning, don't, don't race. Okay, you, you race to win, you try. But even if you don't win, it's, it's not a drama. It's not, uh, the big day is only a, a winner. He will race alone if uh, everyone is thinking like me uh, everyone stopped to race so for everyone at least 21 riders on 22 <laughs> so um, this gave me this uh, gave me a good energy back also work with Massimo to have another approach on the bike okay still not working to win but they I see that and uh, I could have a, a different view of what I'm doing, and this gave uh, less uh, less stress or less weight on on the sugar. And then maybe that is what made the decision, or made the thinking about the decision to make the switch a little bit easier as well, because you come stress free. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, I knew. Uh, you think that okay you take the decision then uh, the next day you will be free uh, now uh, i see that this um, free mind or this uh, this breath is not coming in 24 hours so i expect more like during the weeks that uh, yeah the 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 decision will be well uh, swallowed so then okay i'm, uh, I'm I'm back in my in the competition to to enjoy it in the end. So yeah, you can think yeah as does it takes a few weeks. So that's why this week is quite important. And uh, let's see now because we will start now the tough two months. Uh, but uh, I've been thinking a lot about these two months. So I think I will do it uh, well. Perfect. Good place to end. Merci. So there we go, a now fully supple Zarko heading off back to the rest of his day while Simon gets back on the road. That was recorded a few days ago now. We've got uh, our usual co-host Val Harinchi with us as well, who also listened through to the interview. Val, that was, a, that was a remarkable chat for a rider still under contract. I mean, even the fact that we've got this done from a rider's house is remarkable in itself, but a rider in that particular position Zarko's in. What really stood out for you from that interview? Yeah, I'd say... 
honestly, surprisingly, it wouldn't be anything Honda or even anything Ducati. I know we've chased his opinions on Honda and Ducati the whole Red Bull Ring weekend, but it it's here what, what really comes through for me. And it also, I guess, came through a little bit previously, but with with Simon in the in the privacy of his own home, I guess Sarko really felt the need to talk about it is just how much he, he still thinks about the failure of the KTM move. Uh, and how how he looks back at that time and potentially regrets that he wasn't the Zarco that he is now. Because, you know, at the time it felt like it's the move that he regretted. And obviously, you know, that was a two-year deal that was cut to one year. That was then cut mid-season. But it, it, you know, it didn't work out badly for him because he ended up on a on an Avincia Ducati and then turned into a Pramac Ducati. He basically got a, a factory spec ride at Ducati in you know in a good team that I think it would be fair to say has usually over these past three years had better equipment than KTM and yet both the allure of the factory project is such and maybe the the reputational damage he sustained in leaving the way he did that clearly you know it's it's left such an impact it's clearly not not water off a duck's back it's maybe it's just this MotoGP rider thing of you want to be a factory rider above even like snippets of success. I guess if he'd won a race over at Ducati, maybe it would have been different, but I don't think his chances of winning a race at KTM would have been higher, even if he adapted to the situation better. That, you know, that part really surprised me at how, you know, how much he sort of wants to make amends for that, how in discussing potential Honda factory future and it being a project, uh, a manufacturer that needs helping get up off its knees basically in how much he thinks back to KTM where that was also you know not the easiest situation uh not a manufacturer that's necessarily uh you know KTM was where we expected it to be but it's still you know it was the, the hard yards it was the work and it maybe wasn't quite progressing as quickly as you could have potentially expected and Zarco will have been expected when he signed the deal but the fact that he didn't stick through it then which made perfect sense then the fact that he still thinks about it now, it is that surprises me a little bit. Yeah, I I almost thought that um, you know the 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 motivation to win a race would be the the most important thing to Zarco. And as you hear from the interview, it is obviously very very important to him. But there's there's two real competing desires going on inside him at the minute. Um, there's there's you know ending his MotoGP career as a race winner, but there's also this thing where he's just desperate to. Uh, to kind of fix the errors of his KTM time, um, it's obvious that he sounds, you know, confident enough to do it. That he believes he's a completely different person from he was back in that day. And and to be honest, that wouldn't be hard because he ended that with a reputation as as a bit petulant. The way the whole thing fell apart. So you know, yeah, it it, it for me it it really. All the talk about KTM in the context of what he's about to do really showed me the motivation for what he's about to do. And let's, of course, also touch upon the, the Alex Rins comparison because that also that came up during the weekend, but he's expanded upon it here, why he feels his situation will be different. And first, you know, full credit to Johan for, you know, hearing out the question, taking his time to think through it and always taking his time to give an answer that is authentically how Johan Zarco feels about this whole situation. That's, you know... That's something that we also as MotoGP media should take pains not to sensationalize, if that makes any sense, because it's you know, it's a valuable insight and a valuable comparison 
between riders and a valuable valuable picture of the mindset that Zarco has going into this weekend. You can see it as a bit naive, I guess. His is look at that, you know, that what what happened to Rins, the disillusionment that quickly hit Rins won't hit him. And maybe he has, you know, an adjustment in terms of how he views going in, but he also does very clearly expect something along the similar lines of what Alex Rins expected coming in, which is to say a full incorporation to the project. We don't know what Honda's told him. Presumably it's that, but I mean, this move doesn't make any sense if that doesn't happen for, for any of the parties. It's, it's, it's a total waste of time. So I can see why he, he believes it should be different, but I don't, I have my reservations because yes, Alex Rins, as, as Johan says, does not quite have his luggage, which is to say the experience of four different MotoGP bikes, is it? Yamaha, KTM, Suzuki, Ducati for Zarco, whereas for Rins it was just a Suzuki, but he was, you know, he's still a, a rider with a similar level of experience who debuted the same year, even though there's been injury layaways. Uh, five different bikes. He rode a Honda as well for three races. Yeah, but I mean, I mean before, I mean yeah, before yeah, I, I know, I know. But he yeah, wrote a different, yeah, yeah. he wrote a very different Honda, so it's it's still um, all chucks up to that experience. Yeah. The yeah. other thing that I, I should throw in there um, that I, I thought was really interesting, but it was off the not off the record, but it was after we recorded was uh, so obviously Alex, who's his his physio and his assistant on race weekends, uh, had listened to everything that we said during the course of the interview, and at the end he he just kind of made a point of saying, "Look, I I need to say this." Um, this guy is way too humble to ever say it himself, but he is night and day a different person from who he was when he rode for KTM. Like I, you know, he, he was kind of making the point that as an external person who's very close to Zarco, he sees the the sort of the change in him since then. Um, the guy that he believes will be, uh, you know, a better development rider and a better bet for Honda going forwards. Now, obviously, he's you know he's part of the Zarco family essentially, so he's he's going to be a little bit biased that way, but. You know the the fact that he felt the need to make that point, um, it all adds to the, uh, the this perception from everything that he said and done so far that you know, th- this could be different for Zarco. He's not going to be Honda's stick and plaster. He's not going to be the immediate fix for everything. But I'm really curious to see how it works out. Yeah, I think we all are. As this story was developing, it was hard not to get excited about the prospect of someone coming along who could be the cog that Honda needed to actually com- work its way out of this mess. And like we've said for weeks now, Zarco's experience was ideal. He was so desperate for this chance to, like you say, to make up for the KTM thing going so wrong. And Ducati did see him as on on his way out of MotoGP fairly soon. Not because he was underperforming particularly, but he didn't fit their MotoGP plan. He fit a different plan for them with superbikes now. So, yeah, I'm... Having initially thought Zarko would be crazy to do this, I think like both of you, as things went on over these last few weeks, I could see the logic for him in giving this a go. I don't know if I'm convinced that it's going to be a happy ending still. And I, I think I might find this interview even sadder to listen back to in a year's time if he's had a, a hopefully injury-free, but still competitiveness-wise, similar experience to everybody else who's gone to Honda for the last few years. Just slightly unrelated to the interview before, it's worth, I think, if, if the win is the holy grail. I'm actually not convinced that leaving Ducati for Honda changes the maths massively in that <laughs> regard. I think if Zarco wins, it's probably going to be in a wet race. And he. I think there's a fair few bikes he can wheel around in the wet and Honda should be one of them. 
I mean, the the look who who last won a MotoGP race, Joan Zarco or Alex Rins in an LCR Honda. Well, yeah. indeed, yeah, this yeah. is a fair. No, anything can happen in this sport. Yeah. Right. So thank you very much, Simon, for getting that interview and for chatting with us about it. Val for chatting with us too. Zarko for giving us the interview. Um, Alex, the physio, for letting Simon into the room as well. And Toby for moving aside from the schedule for a week to let us have this bonus episode with Zarko. Toby will be back uh, during mid-September in the gap between the Barcelona Misano doubleheader and the India and the rest of the universe run of races that comes up after that. And we'll be back to join you early in the week after the Barcelona race, which hopefully will be a little bit more exciting than what happened at the Red Bull Ring. Speak to you then. The Athletic.